are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Well, I think I'll read several verses. I want to talk to you from verse 11. But notice how Paul starts off of Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, notice, you know, at Philippians 4, where did I say turn to? I did see it. Okay, I didn't know people started turning. It's in the New Testament, if you. <laughs> I, heard, I heard Jack Isles one night say, if you don't have it now, I just stop and make out like that. But I heard, boy, I heard things still turning. I don't Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Notice what he said. Therefore, my brethren, notice, do you see when Paul's writing his love? Do you notice that? Notice what he said, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown. You know, Paul uh, found this church. You go back in, the, in, the, in Acts, you find out when he was in jail there and so on and found his church. Now he says, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Notice, and then there was two people, two ladies in that church that didn't get along with each other and he's pleading for them. He said, I beseech Iotis and beseech uh, Seneca that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat the also true yoke fella, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement, also with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. You know, I was reading coming on up the road, my son-in-law uh, driving the car and I was reading this over and over. And when I, I thought about this, if you ever noticed when Paul wrote a letter, he's always, would you salute this and salute that and tell this one, hello, tell him I'm thinking about him. Tell him I, you notice that in all of his ministry and, and, and here he's doing the same thing. And you know, we all need to be encouraged. We need to be helped, really do. I was in Kentucky a few years ago preaching and he could even be here now, I forgot his name. But it's a pastor that came, I think he said 7,500 miles just to see me. And he said this, and I'm not patting myself on the base, this came to me. But he said this, he said, Brother Bobby, my wife and I were at our lowest point some years ago. And we visited your church. And that night I asked you on a Wednesday night if you could spend a few minutes in talking with me. And you said, sure. And we went in your office. And he said, you'll never know how you helped me that night. He said, our Lord, and he said, I found out it was your birthday and your family was waiting at your house with a big birthday thing for you. And he said, I, you'll never, and, and that man drove, I forgot, seemed like a hundred miles from wherever he pastored then just to tell me that. And I didn't remember it until he, he, mind, he reminded me of it. We never know who's hurting out yonder. And I'm just saying, I see that in Paul's letters. He's urging these people to get along, get along. And then he said, don't forget to tell this one and that one that I'm thinking about it. And then he said, you go ahead and rejoice in the Lord. You can always rejoice in him, you know. 
Now let's get on down here. There's some good, ser good sermons along there. Notice what he said. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He said, let, let, let your gentleness be known to all men. Don't be one of them hateful, smart alecks. You know, we independent Baptists, sometimes we think we got to be mean to be independent Baptists. You know, we're kind of like one fellow said, we're so independent termites in our church, we'll have to do with termites in another church. You know, I mean, that's not it. He told you what an independent Baptist was. And, and he said right here, he said, be careful, but in everything, come on, let's go here now. In everything, but in verse six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made on to God. And then this will be the results of it right here in verse seven. The peace of God. Now, when we say we make peace with God, when we obey him, we enjoy the peace of God. All right, notice, which passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said some great things. Now he's coming and he said, finally, he uses that word again, brethren, whatever things are true and things that are honest and just and pure and lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, then keep your mind on these things. That's what he's saying. Think on these. Now, some of you are going to have to get rid of your Facebook things if you do that. I don't have one. I, you know, I'm so holding out. I don't even have a computer. <laughs> That's right. They got them all over to church and school. But I hear them talk about Facebook, so I don't really know. But I thought about that. They said, did you see? I saw this on Facebook, Facebook. Well, now, he said, don't you think and talk about them bad things. You think on the good things. That's what he's saying. That's what he said. Now let's get on here in verse nine. He said, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And then the God of peace shall be with you. Boy, how we need to let our light shine. You notice what Paul said? He said, those things you've seen in me and the things I've done, go ahead and do them. Go ahead and do them. He said, now in verse number 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. For I, for not that I speak in respect of want, I'm not wanting your money. Thank you that you're, you're supporting me again. And I know the reason that you had to quit that you lacked opportunity. Now, right there's a good thought. How many times are we, yeah, yeah, I know you didn't do it. Paul didn't have that attitude. Folks, we got to watch that old attitude about us. You see, he said, I know you lacked opportunity or you didn't. Now, right here is my, is my text. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned, notice I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now, notice I have learned you know, when you read your Bible, you find Jesus talking so many things about learning, learning. Remember when he said, come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, take upon you. Uh, he said, uh, and, and be yoked up with me and learn of me, learn of me. That's what he says. I mixed up on that verse, but he's talking about learning. And so much in the Bible is learning. And listen, I found out, now I've been trying to preach 63 years. I started when I was five. So 
But uh, <laughs> 63 years, we'll be 64 in, in uh, September. But listen, I have realized more than I ever have in all my ministry. And I'm not trying to be nice, I'm trying to be honest, that I need to learn more about God's way than I ever did in my life. When I look back as a young preacher, now I guess I thought I was pretty smart, but not now. It's a constant thing in life of learning. And Paul said, I've learned this. How did he learn it? Through his troubles and trials that wherever, whatever happens to be content. Now I got me a sermon right there with about five different points. Learning, things we ought to learn as Christians, it'll help us. Number one, I put it, learn to be content. Now how are we gonna learn to be content? If we love the Lord, we're gonna to have to believe his word. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. My friend, if you and I, and I won't get through with this, but if you and I can learn to be satisfied with what God has in our life, we will not go through life frustrated all the time. Now, Paul learned this. I mean, in storms, in prison. I mean, here's a man, you know about the Philippian jailer. And here is a man in Acts chapter 16, and he's in jail. Now listen, he could have sat there in that jail and said to Silas, Silas, I don't understand this thing. We've tried to do right. We're out there preaching, trying to get people saved. And I don't, un you know, troubles will make us better or bitter one or the other. But here's a man that was there, no doubt his back are hurting and all of that were been beaten. But what did he do? He was content. He believed he was exactly where God wanted him. And when we can accept what God has for us, we won't go through life always frustrated. And it won't be so hard to find God's will if we do that. You see, he said, I'm, I'm content here. And he sang and praised God at midnight. And all through his life there, in the storms, there in Acts 27, when he was going through that storm and all those sailors and looked like they weren't going to make it, he got alone and talked with God. And he come up, he knew God. Now he told him he was going to have the journey. Uh, there was, uh, it'd be better if he wasn't going to go into uh, trouble if it listened, but it wasn't. But he was still content because he knew God was there. I'm just saying, I am learning by the grace of God to be content. And if I'm content, I'll not go around grumbling all the time. And I won't go around believing somebody owes me something all the time. And I want to say this again, folks. Listen, listen. We need to be careful to seek and follow God's will for our life. God has a will for us. And you young preachers, God has a will for you. And, and listen, it may be God's will that you go back on the hill somewhere and pastor where there's 25 or 30 people and where there's no town and where you can't reach a hardly a person and to be satisfied that God's placed you there and do your best for Christ. That could be God's will. Don't get big things on your mind. Get God's will. Be content for whatever God has for you. That's very important. I was preaching in California a few years ago and uh, I, I don't remember the man's name. Good man, no doubt. He walked up to me and he said, Brother Bobby, he said, I've pastored, been pastoring, I think he said in Maryland. And he said, I've been out here at this place in three, three months. He said, I was pastoring a good church out there. But he said different ones mentioned to me how this weather was in, in, uh, out here in California. 
And uh, we have snow and all up there. And then I heard of a church, and this is what the man said, please pray for me. I'm pastoring a good church, but I'm out of the will of God. I said, what? He said, I'm out of the will of God. I pastored a good church at home here, but I'm out of the will of God. What happened? He got discontented. He got to thinking, boy, I'll do better over there. And he got out of the will of God. I'll, I'll, I'll get where it's warm and nice and, and all that, you know, on and on. And he got out of the will of God. If we don't learn, and I can't say enough about that, but if we don't learn to be content, we'll never be happy in our life. We'll never be happy in our life. I think about yesterday, uh, I visited a hospital. We have a lady dying with cancer and she knows it. And, and she was a bus worker. And uh, anyway, she said, Brother Bobby, God's so good to me. She said, you know, I believe I'm just where I ought to be. She said, I've been telling them about Jesus here. And she said, some of these nurses come in and they're saved and Lord's given me the very words and I'm encouraging them. Isn't this wonderful? Now, unless that woman accepted contentment, she wouldn't be that way. I think of Claude Hoffner. You wouldn't know it. What a Christian. Claude's with the Lord now. But he stayed happy all the time. He wasn't able to get around much, but he believed that God knew where he was and he was content. I went over to the hospital to see him before he died. And he had him, uh, didn't want everybody to come in and see him. I saw him as pastor and went in. Nurses worked around there. And old Claude said, he had him real. He said, praise God, there's my preacher. And I said, and the lady was trying to come. And I said, how you doing, Claude? Oh, bless God, I'm doing all right, preacher. He said, you know, and he called his wife's name. She know you went to, she went to heaven about six, seven years ago. And I sure do miss her. And he said, it was 12 of us young'uns. And he said, one of them looked like never was going to get saved. And said, we got him saved three years before he died. And all of them, he said, glory to God. I believe I'm going up, he said. And I said, just calm down. They're going to run me out of here. You couldn't make that man what anytime you see you come to gospel light, he had to sit in a wheelchair most of the time, but once in a while you say, Hallelujah! And those people. I said, he won't hurt you, he can't get out of that chair. <laughs> I love to see people satisfied, don't you? And I'm saying Paul learned that. You follow his ministry. Here's something else right quick here that, that I want to mention. I got me some C's. We need to learn to be content and we need to learn to expect conflicts in life. Now, I don't want to get you on the juniper tree, but you're either going through a battle or you just got through one or you're about to go into one and you don't have to look for it. And you got to learn to expect that. You see, we're in wrong territory here. We're not at home. And we got the world, the flesh and the devil. And there's going to be, con you look at the Apostle Paul. Hey, here's a man on his road to Damascus. You know, he got saved. And straightway, he began to preach Christ. And you know, he had some many conflicts down there. They had to put that little old fellow in a basket and get him out there before they killed him. And then he gets back up there at Jerusalem. That crowd's afraid of him. And Barnabas said, he's all right now. He's got saved. You see, that folks, life is full of conflicts. And listen, if you are looking for somewhere where you won't have conflicts, just quit looking and quit and just be quiet and stop trying to serve the Lord because you're going to have conflicts. All of us are going to have them. And, and we need to, to learn not to try to make, but to learn to expect 
conflicts, you see. Paul, we could say much about his uh, life there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Boy, he talks about the times he was beaten and all those things, conflicts, because he stood for the Lord, you see. We got a conflict between uh, the spirit and the flesh. The old flesh is pulling us all the time, trying to get us to go the wrong way. All the time, you see, we've got that. And I'm just saying that there's going to be conflicts always in our life. And, and we need to just expect them. Don't run from them. If you're, if you're a preacher here tonight and you're trying, they used to ask me, Brother Bobby, do you know where they're looking? I've had this said to me, Brother Bobby, do you know where a good church is where they want to do something? And I, I, I don't try to be smart, but I tell them now, I really don't know one. And I don't. I don't know. People's human. I don't know the church. Don't look for a church. You young boys, it's going to be out uh, yonder pine. Don't look for a good church. Look for the will of God. You see, that's what I'm trying to say. There's conflicts every way that you turn. And uh, so we might as well accept that. Uh, what did the Lord say? Matthew chapter five. He said, blessed. Uh, he, he said, blessed are you who shall, uh, blessed are ye when ye shall be reviled. All men shall speak. They'll do what? They'll revile you. You'll, they'll have conflict when you stand for the Lord. You're going to do it, you see. The old apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, he called the Ephesian elders together. And he said, remember how the space of three years I've ceased not to warn you night and day with tears. And, and uh, I've kept back nothing profitable, taught you, knocked on doors, went from house to house. And I'm leaving you now, going up to Jerusalem. Don't know what I'm facing, save the Holy Ghost says there's bonds and afflictions waiting up there. But none of those things move me. He wasn't wondering what kind of motel they had. He was wondering what kind of prison they had. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you, we're in, we're in a soft age today. I was thinking, Brother Clarence, uh, yesterday, back when, when I started Gospel Light, we lived in a little five-room house and our kids, it was all right. We had an inside restroom. One lady asked my wife one day, how in the world do y'all just have one restroom inside. I said, you ought to tell her we used a path for years. That's the first time we've ever had an inside toilet. But I can remember Dr. Seitler. We used to have him in revival. And we'd get the kids out of the back bedroom and pile them up on a quilt and let Dr. And he's preached weeks. And, 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 and he lived in that little back in there all the time, that little room. And I, I can remember, uh, uh, listen, you fellas who are out there in evangelism now, you don't know what these, some of these old gentlemen went through with. That's what I'm saying. And I'm just saying this, uh, learn to be content. Learn, learn to go on through your, uh, your uh, conflicts in life. And then let me say thirdly quickly, have some Bible convictions. Have some Bible convictions. Find out what the Bible says. About 30 years ago, probably, we have a Christian school that's 40, 41 years old. So I'm going to say 30 years ago, the state of North Carolina was going to make us accept, not just ours, all the Christian schools, to accept a license by the state to run our school. Well, we couldn't do that. It wasn't right. So Raleigh now, of course, that's the capital. I don't know the trips I made to Raleigh. And, and we had a, the, the schools uh, hired uh, hired a lawyer. And I never, he was from up north, never will forget that. And he trained us. Now he said, they'll put you on the stand. And he said, if the judge says, how do you feel about this uh, thing of accepting a license? 
And you say, if you say, well, I really rather not to, he said, you forget it. You done lost it. He said, it, that, that old judge, and he was a Catholic. He said, if you don't have convictions about it, he said, forget it. You've lost it. He, he said, if you get up on the stand, you say, well, I'd appreciate if you could, <clears throat> you tell him, we have convictions based on the Bible and we just can't do it. And he said, you can win your trip, win your, win your case. And we did. And this is what I'm trying to say. Folks, we need not convictions because of somebody, but convictions based on the Bible. Amen. Too many of us are like one fellow. He said, what do you believe? He said, I believe what my preacher said. He said, what did your preacher believe? He said, he believes what I believe. He said, what do both of you believe? He said, we believe the same thing. <laughs> yeah, listen, I love this man right here. But by the grace of God, if he goes away from the book, I'm not going to follow him. By the grace of God, I'm going to follow what this book says. I hear some of the older men, I've heard this say a few times, well, I'm too old to change now. That's not it. It's the word of God. If I'm 21, don't change the word of God. Don't try it. You stand for old time religion. I don't care how much the world attracts you out there. I don't care about the clouds over yonder or whatever. You stand true to this book right here. This is God's word. That's what I'm saying. Have convictions on the word of God. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathway. Man, I was coming up the road, sitting in the back seat. And I was learning reading and I told the boys in the front, I said, glory to God, done got me another sermon. There's no book that you can read and read over and over and find something fresh in like the Bible. It's God's word. And it don't need to be, Brother Roloff, you say, it don't need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread. Amen. Don't fool around with these, all these translations. and You don't have to try to prove the King James Bible. It's done proved itself. That's right. Just preach it and stand for it and stand for it. I'm talking about it, preach it. It talks about going to church. It talks about tithing. It talks about you ought to look like a Christian. Uh, you ought to talk like a Christian. You ought to walk like, it tells you how. All these things. That's what I'm trying to say, my friend. And get settled down on your convictions on what the Bible says and stand true to it. Amen. You know, when I talk about roll off and Oliver Green, some of these young men don't know you've heard of them. We had the joy of having those men in our church. Let me tell you this right quick. I never forget Brother Roloff. He came maybe three or four times a year. And uh, one day he was so excited. He said, Brother Bobby, and he'd come in about 15 minutes before service started. He flew that little airplane, you know, and we'd go get him. There he was. And uh, he said, Brother Bobby, I'm so excited. He said, you know, he loved that work in Corpus. And, and uh, he, he said, two businessmen, wealthy businessmen, have come to me and said, and I think it was in three months, we're going to give you a half million dollars piece for the work down there, a million dollars. He was like a little boy with a new wagon or something to me. He sat there in my office. He said, Brother Bob, I'm going to do this and do that. And boy, he began to tell me what all he's going to do down there when he got that million dollars. He came back maybe six months later. He come in and I said, how you doing, Brother Roloff? Got let down, worst ever got let down in my life. That's the way he talked. And you know, he spent some time in jail because he wouldn't accept a license. And I thought that's probably it. And I said, what, what, what let you down, Brother Roloff? 
He said, you remember, now get this. He said, you remember me telling you about them two businessmen going to give the work a half a million apiece? And I said, yeah. He said, Brother Bobby, they come to me later. I didn't ask him what it was he was too hard on, but they said, Brother Roy, we've talked over this thing. You're going to have to lighten up on some things. And, and, and we just can't give you this money unless you do. And this is exactly what he said. I told him, I'm sorry, I'm not for sale. We need some roll-offs today, folks. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not for sale. What do you mean? Get some convictions. In 1966, we had Alder Green and three-night revival. You know, we're just 200 miles from, from, he lived in Greenville, South Carolina. He drove up that Monday afternoon. He preached Monday night, Tuesday night. We couldn't hold the crowds in our old, old building down there. He got up on Monday night and he said, folks, pray for me. I'm on 125 radio stations daily. And he said, I try to answer mail. I answered mail until this morning, until time to drive up here. And he told this from our pulpit. And he said, I got a letter from a station I'm on in California. And it said, Brother Green, we appreciate you being on our station. Practically the same words at all. But it said, you're going to have to lighten up on some things. And we want you to be thinking about this. You, you just think about it and you can let us know. And this is what he said. I answered that before I left home. We just opened it that morning. He said, I told them if they could put that, put that station in that ocean in California before I'd ever compromise with it. And took off to preach it. That's, I, I don't mean to be mean, but we can, listen, Jesus said, be harmless as a dove, but yet be wise as a serpent. Preacher friends, you don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to go charismatic. You don't have to go contemporary mess. You stick to the right kind of music like we have. God don't have two ways. He don't have a way for the young people to worship and then come along for another. If Jesus don't come back before long, our churches someday, will, there'll be nobody to respect them. Come as you are. You ought to look decent when you come in the house of God. Now we have a bus ministry. We've had one 47 years. And we bring in some, some don't look like deep, but they are. And we want to help them. That's what I'm trying to say. But this here old stuff of, of just going out of the way, don't do that. Stand true. Have some Bible convictions. If I had time to preach an hour, I'd show you something that would tell you how they ought to act. And you get the Bible down. Now listen, learn convictions. Learn conflicts is coming. Learn to be content and then learn to be compassionate. To be compassionate. You know what Jude says? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Compassion makes a difference. I love that Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye first are spiritual, do all ye can to bury him. <laughs> no. Ye which are spiritual, if you got a newsletter, put it on there and blare it out and tell people no. Ye which are spiritual, Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. 
God knows how we need that. And I can give you scriptures, Jesus and so on. Look there, when Jesus came and Lazarus, he raised him and they wept and Jesus wept and they said, behold, how he loved him. Boy, how we need to practice this thing of compassion. Long suffering, old doctor, a, a, a medical doctor, he's in heaven now. One day I walked in, he, he doctor till he's about 90. He said, preacher, you know what compassion is? I said, what is it? He said, it's love in action. That's pretty good too, isn't it? I'm saying we don't need this old sarcastic way. Well, bless God, if you have saved you and you wouldn't have done it, you better look out. You better look out. There's people need, and, and we need to be, listen, the, Jesus said, if a man asked you one mile, he said, just go on two with him. That's what he said. And that's the kind of things we ought to have, my friend. And blessed are not the troublemakers, but blessed are the peacemakers. I found out this, and I want to say it too, and I love my church. I got, I pastor one of the best churches in the world. Amen. Go ahead and say amen. Right. Amen. That's right. That's right, some good old-fashioned people. This morning, I read two, two uh, little notes where somebody had been sick, and they wrote to the church and said, I'm so glad I can be in a church where they love people. And I thank God for that. I, I, I really do. I, I thank God for it. But now listen, the hardest thing in my ministry is getting people to get along with each other. That's true. Is get along. I mean, you got this crowd. If you got a Christian school, you got this crowd that loves it to death and a bus ministry, this, some of this crowd couldn't care for the school and some of the, them couldn't care for the bus and you try to preach to all that crowd one time with an old conflict in them. I mean, you know, I mean, I got some, preacher, how come we can't do this? And then one bent me the other night and said, well, if we do that, I think we need this worse, don't you? You just live that away. Preacher, what do you do? Just weep over it and love them all. That's all I think I know to do. I'm just saying we need, we need compassion. Oh, I, I don't know how. Jesus said, one time somebody come to Jesus and, and he said, uh, if, if my brother trespasses against me, I said seven times should I forgive? He said 70 times seven. Go ahead and forgive him. These old grudges, my friend, let me tell you one thing. There's people that don't do things like I would, I do, but let me tell you, they may be wrong and I may be wrong, but I can still love them. I can still love them. I ought to be a Christian. We got a lot of saved people, but I'm afraid we don't have many Christians these days. And let's be a person of compassion. That's what I'm trying to say, of caring and rescuing and helping them. Back yonder 52 years ago, I was 29. I think it's been 51, 52 years ago. And I had a heart attack on a Sunday morning. They took me to the hospital. And I stayed in the hospital 21 days. One time they didn't think I'd make it. God's been, you ever look at a man, God's been too good to, you look at one right now. And don't you ever pat me on the back. I know my failures, but I know what he is. Amen. Well, let me tell you this. I was so low. My church had grown from 150. I'm the second pastor of it. The other man had a good ministry. He's there seven years. And we were running regularly, no bus ministry, regularly five to 600 when I got sick. And when I came back, 
the church was in a mess split. This crowd didn't like that crowd. And I had, I don't like these old business meetings, Lord. And I wasn't even able to go to church. And back then when you had a heart attack, you couldn't raise your hand, you couldn't walk up steps. And they towed me up the steps and I called a special business meeting. If I'd had to done over, I wouldn't have done it. That's where you jump in things too quick. You need God's wisdom, not yours. And I sat there that day and tried to pull that two crowds together and it split. About five miles down the road went part of them. My Sunday school went down. I had a nervous breakdown. But there was a man named Lester, not Lester, but a man named Harold Seitler came to me and I talked to him. Everybody needs somebody to talk to. I said, Dr. Seidler, I guess it's over with. I didn't want to preach. I couldn't, I couldn't stand the pulpit. Made me sick to think I had to go in that pulpit again. That deep voice of his, Bobby, God's grace is sufficient. And I'd say, but, but, he said, but nothing, you listen to me. <laughs> I said, we've had people saved and I said, all I hear now is how that crowd's getting along down the road that split out. He said, you stand still. God's grace sufficient. You're not going to die. And man, he gave me a talking. He said, were you have anybody saved or not? You just stand true. And if you come to Gospel Light now, our last building we built 22 or three years ago, and downstairs we have a, we have a, a little auditorium seats 250 and it's called the Harold B. Seitler Auditorium. And I named it after him. God used that man to put time in me to keep a young preacher going. That's what I'm talking about. Compassion. God knows we need it. And, and, and I'm just saying, let's, let's, let's learn that all the time. Let's try to help people all the time. I got a friend, he's gone into the contemporary thing. I wouldn't tell you his name tonight, but as soon as I can, I'm gonna get to him and sit down. I'm not gonna talk his name anywhere. I'm gonna sit down and say, what happened to you? He's been going through some trouble. Maybe I can get him restored, you see. Now I got to close. Paul said, I've learned. I've learned to be content and let's learn to expect conflicts, but don't run from them. Learn to have convictions based on the word. Learn to have compassion. And then keep learning to have conversions. Be a soul winner. You know what, James? And I've got to close because you've got to go down to the restaurant, I guess. And I'm going to let you go in a minute. But you remember what he said in James chapter 5? Listen, last verse. He said, let him know that he which converts a sinner from the air way of save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sin. In all of this, Let's watch for souls. Let's do our very best to reach people. Don't leave that out. He that winneth souls is wise and so on and be a soul winner. God will help you. I was talking to someone yesterday back in my early ministry. We were, used to be out in the country. Now the town's moved out there. But uh, when I first came there and I became full-time pastor, and didn't, a couple hundred people didn't have a lot to do. And I'd, I'd go down them little roads, you know, and, and, and wherever I got to that day, 
farmers. I'd stop and then I'd go back the next day and keep going. And God give me some of them precious souls down in there. I remember one time I knocked on Brother Herman Smith's door, an old attendant farmer. Man, you could throw a cat through the holes in that house just about. The old fella come to the door and, and he said, and, and you know, I told him, I said, I just visited some in this area that called it. Uh, it, it was a terrible name what they called it, you know. It was so many bootleggers there in that area. And it had that name. Anyway, I, uh, I, I, I talked to him and he said, he said, Mr. I can't read and write. I said, you don't have to read and write, just say. I led him to Christ. Amen. I went over there and it was about 15 miles from our church. There wasn't no church around there. And it was an old building, an old little old store building closed. And I got to thinking about that thing and I found out the man next door owned it and I stole him. I was a preacher from up at Walkertown and I said, well, would you rent that? And I could like to come down here on Sunday afternoon and have a little service there. He said, he wasn't even saved. He said, well, I'd get it to you. And he said, if you stay there in wintertime, he said, I'll put you a, a, a stove in there and buy you oil for it. And I used to go down there about uh, 3, 30, 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, take me a trio or a quartet and got them, got get them old drunks, got to getting saved. And we've got preachers that come out of that. That man I'm talking about, old Herman's in glory. And last week, Tom, the fellow stood up and said, praise God, that preacher, he's been in his church about 30 years. He said, praise God, I got in gospel light 53 years ago. That was one of his boys. Soul winning is the greatest thing in all the world, my friend. That's what I'm talking about, soul winning. And let me say, I can't say enough about that, but let's watch. God will give us opportunities and be ready to try to reach everybody you can. Take these five things home, will you, William? I'm learning, I'm learning, not a much message, but it's the truth. Listen, I'm learning to be content, be content. I'm learning to expect conflicts and not try to run from them. God gives grace. I'm learning to have convictions based on the word of God. And I'm learning to have compassion and care. And I'm learning to try to have always have conflict. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.